So, do you guys remember back in high school when we went to go see District 9? Yeah, that's a great movie. And and you guys loved it, and I hated it, and you guys just berated me for hating it. You're like, how could you hate this movie? <laughs> we berated you. I'm like, you. <laughs> this movie sucks. Like, I can't stand this movie. Have you rewatched it? No. Now that you're not young and ignorant? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it Because it's a great movie. I remember liking it, though. I do like this, though, Keith. I like that you're uh, just starting off the show with some negativity, because I thought I might be alone. We've been building up to Spectre, and it's finally time to talk about it, and I certainly... No, I guess, spoilers. I don't love it. but um, So I like that we're on equal ground here. I wonder, I wonder, Austin, for you, I mean, do you want to join us on this little boat of negativity we have? Do you have a movie that you hate? Yeah, I can't stand It's a Wonderful Life. Really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Dude, it's so boring. Every time it comes on on Christmas, I make sure I turn off the TV. You don't change the channel? You just leave the room? Nope, I just turn it off. Oh, that's funny. For anybody listening, remember to go back and listen to our uh, Christmas movie bracket because yeah. Austin actually does like a Christmas story. That's which true. Which I was really surprised about. I thought Austin was going to rip that movie apart. But I put It's a Wonderful Life it. on my list and Austin said we couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fair. I guess something else it's also worth bringing up because you guys have pitched the idea of returning to the Fast and Furious franchise Ooh. and I have Ooh. zero interest in that. Uh, that might, I guess maybe Keith and I, maybe we go solo. We do a little quarter mile race. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny Smoke though em. when Keith uh, brought up just out of nowhere a movie that he wasn't a fan of. I don't know why, but my brain just jumped to it. I really thought Keith was gonna maybe try and get a dig in or two. I thought maybe he'd talk about Austin's favorite film, The Alamo. I was actually on my mind, <laughs> but I was like, eh, that we've brought that one up too much. But you know what? I think we do need to talk about it real quick. God, what a Austin, film! You, do you still love that movie? Is that still in your top ten? Yes, I like The Alamo. <laughs> Come at me. Okay, have to, with having Dennis, to admit to with it. Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid oh. as Sam Houston. Golly. Remember the Alamo. <laughs> God, what a scene. And Billy Bob Thornton as Davy Crockett. I gotta warn you, I'm a screamer. <laughs> I got, we have to give people context because nobody saw that movie. That is a line that Billy Bob Thornton as Davy Crockett <laughs> says before being killed. Golly. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm Austin Terry, and I signed up for a smart beard, so Monty Penny never shaves me. I'm Matt Johnson. I got hair implants so I can keep up with Q's ferocious bush. And I'm Keith Baker, and I need a cleanse, so I'm going to go to the Austrian clinic to drink a digestive enzyme drink. Hmm. On today's show, we'll be wrapping up our Daniel Craig James Bond series in review with Spectre. We have to say wrapping up because No Time to Die has been delayed a year and a half from its original release date, and who the hell knows if it'll actually come out this October. So let's consider this a mid-season finale of sorts. But first, Matt, how was WandaVision this week? Man, WandaVision just keeps surprising me in the best ways. I love it. I just love it. I can't wait to see where this goes. Only a few episodes left, so it's with kind of that bittersweet feeling of I don't want it to end, but I'm just so curious where this what what's going to be happening by the finale. So... Yeah, everybody, if you've been watching WandaVision and didn't know, we do review each and every episode as they come out. So check your podcast. You'd ever get your podcasts and see what we think about the biggest show out right now. Awesome. So last time we covered Bond, we discussed one of the most critically acclaimed and universally loved entries to the franchise, Skyfall. Today, it's time for something a bit different. Spectre is the movie that famously made Daniel Craig say he would rather slit his wrists than ever play Bond again. 
Guys, why don't you give me your opening thoughts on Spectre after a rewatch? When I first watched Spectre in theaters, I I liked it. I didn't like it as much as Skyfall, but I did enjoy it. And I did enjoy the villain in it. I enjoyed the story, the locations. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good movie. This watch did not enjoy it so much. I thought it was a little long. It felt really long. A little. <laughs> the villain was not as cool and not as menacing as I remember him being. Yeah, there was there were some flaws of this movie I definitely noticed this time watching that I did not see before. And that's all I'll say for now. Yeah, you know, I'm having a hard time remembering if this is my first mm. uh, viewing of this movie. I either saw it in theaters and found it so forgettable that I literally did not remember a single scene, or this is actually the first time I've seen this movie. Either way, though, I... Uh, I enjoyed it more than I expected to, just based on all the setup Matt has been giving it. <laughs> um, I have major issues with the third act, though. I think there are some great individual, like, James Bond scenes that I really enjoy in this movie. But overall, it's a, it's a bit of a downer, especially coming off of Skyfall. This is only my second time seeing this one. I watched it for... I did not see it in theaters. I watched it for the first time last year. At the very beginning of quarantine, I was like, you know what? I want to rewatch all the Dana Craig Bond movies. And I was actually kind of excited because I was like, it's perfect because I can actually lead up to Spectre, one that I haven't seen. I know No Time to Die is coming, but I actually have this nice little surprise of one that I haven't seen at all. So that'll be cool. Um, I knew it wasn't received super well, but I was still looking forward to it. And on the first watch, I actually was, even though I joke about hating the movie, I was kind of where Austin seems to be at now, which is I actually kind of enjoyed a lot of it. Um, and there's some individual moments that are really good. But then when it gets to the third act, I genuinely believe that the third act of this movie is so bad that it retroactively makes the rest of it. Like you question it like what? Like it just makes things worse, particularly with the villain, because whenever they try and plant that in the beginning, it makes you think less favorably once you get to the end. And now on a rewatch, it's weird because now that I know it's coming. I guess it kind of forced me to, I don't know what you want to say, pay more attention or to the details or whatever. But basically, the first time I enjoyed it, but I hated the third act so much. And this time, I still hate the third act. And I think the first two acts are a bit kind of, I just don't like them as much as the first time because I know it's coming. And I think there are some silly things in there that don't pay off at all. And just I just didn't enjoy as much this time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty down on this movie. It's a shame because, like Austin said, it's coming off Skyfall and Casino Royale and whatever you think about Quantum. I still think there's fun moments there. And this one, I think its biggest sin is it's just really fucking hollow and boring and way too long. All right. Well, we're going to roll our segue music. And when we come on back, it'll be time for the movie facts of Spectre. All right, let's get into it, guys. Matt, why don't you break down our cast and crew? Let's do it. All right, so this one is directed once again by Sam Mendes, who we know from American Beauty, Road to Perdition, Jarhead, Revolutionary Road, 1917, and of course, Skyfall. Screenplay by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Jez Butterworth, with, I was surprised to see, early drafts by the Skyfall writer, John Logan, so I'm not sure what happened there. Composed once again by Thomas Newman, along with the classic James Bond theme by Monty Norman, featuring Writings on the Wall, written by Sam Smith and Jimmy Napes, who I was like, that's a cool name, and performed by Sam Smith. This also won the Oscar. 
It did? Yeah, this did win this the Oscar. This won the Oscar? Yeah, it did. That's not a joke. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That was a um, terrible year for the... It must have been a terrible year for music that year then. <laughs> just in general, music <laughs> just was bad that year. Uh, we almost had legendary English band Radiohead performing the song Spectre, but it was deemed too melancholy. And we'll talk about that in a sec because regardless of what you think about that song, I just find it funny that they rejected that for being melancholy, but then had Sam Smith do a song, which is like his whole thing <laughs> anyway. Um the cast, of course, we have Daniel Craig as James Bond 007, Leah Seydoux as Dr. Madeline Swan, Christoph Waltz as Franz Oberhauser, a.k.a. Blofeld, Ray Fiennes as M, Naomi Harris as Moneypenny, Ben Wishaw as Q, Monica Bellucci as Lucia Sciara, Andrew Scott as C, Dave Bautista as Mr. Hanks for no reason at all, Rory Kinnear returning in the underappreciated role of Bill Tanner, with, of course, Jesper Christensen returning as Mr. White to close out his story from Quantum, and Dame Judi Dench does make a quick little appearance as the previous M. So, a lot to go through there. Guys, I want to hear, what are your highlights? It can be the cast, it can be the direction, the writing, the songs, anything. Just let me know what stands out to you there. For me, and, and I think Keith is actually going to disagree with me on this one, but for me, it's uh, it's Leia Sadu as Dr. Madeline Swan. I think she's one of the better parts in this movie, and I really enjoyed her performance as the kind of main Bond girl in this one. I like the fact that kind of nothing surprises her character, and the way she plays the character, it always feels like she knows more than she's letting on. And I found that really compelling and interesting to see uh, interact with James Bond. Okay. That's all good points. I don't think I would disagree with all of that. Um there were just some things about her that, not her, and not the acting. The acting was fine. Uh, just something about her character that was kind of, she would just contradict herself sometimes. She'd be like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And then she's like, I'm coming with you and all that. And yeah. then I just, it, it was confusing at times. Like, what do you want? I don't get what you want. Um, that's kind of the biggest flaw I had with her. But no, I agree with you, Austin. The acting was good. And uh, overall, I think she was a good Bond girl. Yeah. My highlights, as far as the cast, um, I'm going to shout out to Ray Fiennes for M. I really enjoyed him in this one. He had some of the better moments in this movie. Yeah, he is kind of like what they did with uh, Judy Dench. They really elevated his role in this one, just like they did for her in Skyfall. Mm -hmm. I'll do mine pretty quick. Not even making a joke. It's just I genuinely don't have too many highlights when it comes to this group. Um, this The first one's kind of a cheat. I know I talked with Austin a little bit about it. I know he wasn't that big of a fan, but... I genuinely do really like the Radiohead version of the song Spectre, and I like listening to it sometimes, even without the context of Bond. I just think it has the Radiohead sound with that Bondness, whereas Writings on the Wall, I just, it's it's a fine Sam Smith song, but nothing about it says Bond to me. So, wait, wait, that's your highlight for the movie? No, I'm not it's done. It's a song that wasn't even included that's what I just in, said. I said it's in a the cheat. actual movie. <laughs> that's how bad you think this is? I said it was a cheat. I was going to keep talking. Um, yeah, it's a good song. It's so good that I, <laughs> I had to mention it first, even though it's not in the movie. Um, as for what is in the movie, not really much to say. I do agree with Austin. I think Leia Seydoux gives a really good performance. I also agree with Keith that the way the writers use her is strange. But um, Ray Fiennes also, like you mentioned, definite highlight. Q... I really do enjoy the Q and Bond relationship continuing in this movie. We get a bit more of it, and I always have fun with that. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking through it. it. That's kind of it. I Monica Bellucci is barely in the movie. I thought she was fine. And the only other, I guess, genuine highlight is even, I guess, same thing, even though he's barely in it. I do like seeing Jesper Christensen back as Mr. White. I think that scene is really good. And, the act, and again, there's some weirdness story-wise, but the acting's great. And I do like that they at least attempted to close out some of the 
weird open plot holes from Casino Royale and Quantum. Again, this movie also retcons most of that, so it's weird. But you know what? The scene he was in was good, and I liked I liked seeing him. So One thing I got to bring up before we move on is uh, this was the first movie. I know Daniel Craig's talked about how he wanted to be done in Skyfall because he felt like he was getting too old. This is the first movie of his that we've watched where I've actually noticed his age. Like, I don't know what it is about just maybe the way they, they kind of tried to dress him in suits that look like they're for a younger man. Mm. And it just made his age kind of stand out, especially when he's paired against Leia Sadu, who's like 20 years younger than him. Yeah. So that was kind of jarring for me. Yeah. Yeah. He looked a lot thinner in this one, too. He didn't look as like beefy in the other ones. Like he was all like ripped up in the other ones. This one, he was like, yeah, he de- definitely looked his age. I think I read somewhere that his fitness re- fitness routine changed before this one where he like he couldn't lift a lot of weights so he was just like doing like cardio <laughs> so that's why he looked like he looked like 20 pounds lighter in this movie yeah i guess he must have been like 45 or 46 at the time and again we talked about this last time him wanting to be done at skyfall and it's crazy that i would have to imagine i know he does love his fans clearly but uh i think specter was just received so poorly that he was like well i got to go out on top i got to do one more and now he's in his 50s it's like at least from the trailers, he looks pretty good, but it's just insane that he's been wanting to be done for 10 years and can't get out, basically. In the trailers for No Time to Die, it looks like they're actually playing him like he's older. They like, are. In this movie, it looks like they're still t- trying to play him like he's a young Bond. And he's and Daniel Craig's just not that young in this movie. That's a good point, yeah. From what we've seen in No Time to Die, they're playing into it, whereas here, it's like they don't even reference it. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I still think he looks his oldest in Skyfall when he get, when he's in M's apartment, right, when he gets back from Turkey. <laughs> And he has the gray beard. He looks 90 years old right there. He doesn't look as old in that scene to me, Keith, because he's not trying to fight David ba- Dave Bautista, who's no. a pro wrestler. He just throws him around. 200 pounds heavier than him. Golly. What a great character. It is now time. It's Keith's week for production nightmares. Keith, take it away. Give us some production stories. Share with us some trivia. Let me just start off here. Um, so reportedly, Christopher Nolan was being seriously considered to, to direct this movie hmm. until Sam Mendes decided to come back for another one. Producer Greg Wilson said that Chris Nolan would be a dream choice for a future Bond director. We would, of course, be interested to have that discussion with him. We would like to do the same type of movie. It would be a dream to be with Nolan. I can't picture that at all. It's like when we did Casino and they were talking about uh, how they wanted to get Quentin Tarantino I couldn't yeah. picture either one of these directors directing a Bond movie. You couldn't picture Nolan at all? I could picture Nolan. No, because he likes he likes to do all these like converging plot lines that like make sense at the end and he likes to mess around with like I guess elements like time and and all that. I I don't know how any of that would would like it kinda works for Batman because he's got the like the crazy uh comic book esque villains. I, Bond to me it always seems to be a bit more serious, so I I don't know how Nolan's type of directing would work for that. You're right. He does kind of go with the crazy concepts, but I think I think he could do something cool with it. I think I know he's talked about it forever. I guess they could just never come together on it. It would be interesting, but you know, I think I might like to see other people first. I don't really know. I'm going to be actually really interested once they kind of leave Daniel Craig behind. Like, what is the future? Like, what kind of directors are they going to go after? So that could that could be interesting. But yeah, I have no idea. I genuinely don't know. That could have been cool though. So Gary Oldman was actually approached for the role of Franz Oberhauser, but he was unwilling to commit to six months production worldwide. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, that could have been cool. Again, we're definitely going to have to talk about it. You know, Bond films are so intrinsically tied with their villain, but I just, I don't think it would have mattered who they put in this part. Just with the way they they structured how this character is used in the movie, I just don't think it would have made any difference who played him. Um, 
Gary Oldman's a great actor, obviously. So it, it would have been he would have brought something to it, but the fact that Christoph Waltz, a two time Academy Award winner in this movie is like just so blech. It's like, yeah. I, to me that proved that it was the writing, not the actor. Hello, brother. <laughs> oh my god. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, the opening scene set during the Day of the Dead. It's kind of pretty unique for a James Bond movie because it marks the first time that a long one-shot uh, take was done in a Bond movie. But it was actually done in three shots, but it, they made it, you know, they blended it into one shot. It's cool. I, I, maybe it's because of the one take. It, it feels like it takes forever to, like, actually get to the opening credits, though. But I love how yeah. it goes from this, like, huge open city into the small confines of a helicopter uh, cockpit. Like, mm. I like how it transitions to the, to the various set pieces. Yeah, I don't know. Weirdly, the opening scene just doesn't look good to me. Especially, I don't. There's something about it. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's the filter or the way they incorporated CG for the buildings or backgrounds. It just looks kind of off. And I can't wait to talk about it. But there is just one of those weird. I guess it's a nitpick. Well, actually, I don't know. It's, it's less of a nitpick. It's just whenever he's trying to kill the guy and he gets spotted, he purposefully shoots this briefcase, which is like he probably doesn't know it's a bomb, or does he? Either way, he blows up that building, and it's like, I wonder if there were people in there. I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of a or weird. Or if there scene. were people on the street below. Yeah, the building fell on them. I was guessing. I was guessing that he maybe thought it was a computer of some sorts, with maybe you know, certain information on it. I don't think he knew it was a bomb. I don't think he would have done it if he knew it was a bomb. You would have to hope so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. Well, let's go ahead and break down the critical reception now. Suspected so released to theaters on November sixth, twenty fifteen. It made $881 million worldwide against a $245 million budget. The film has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, and upon release received mixed critical reviews. Critics pretty much agreed that it would be hard to live up to Skyfall, but felt Spectre fell short of its potential. The only consistent things that critics praised were the visuals and the action. Other than that, critics had a lot more negatives to bring up for this one. Forbes actually called it the worst Bond movie in 30 years. Damn. That's not true. Because, I mean, those other, besides Goldeneye, Bra- all of Brosnan's movies are terrible. But I guess to a level, once we got we got one of them, whenever Die Another Day comes out, you just expect it to be what it is. Whereas this one, I guess maybe there was more hope going in. But that's, that's a big statement right there. All right. So what was Spectre criticized for? The biggest things were a two and a half hour runtime that failed to bring anything new to the screen. It also had a meandering and hard to follow plot that contains too much retconning of previous movies. Uh, Critics also felt that it had a forgettable villain and just a strange third act. They also felt the audience is asked to believe that the stakes are high, but nothing ever feels as urgent or as emotional as it did in Skyfall. And finally, Daniel Craig's performance was actually criticized as well, but the Charlotte Observer calling him James Board. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Got him. Um, Hmm. Okay. There's a lot there. I mean, Keith, what jumps out to you? What are you kind of agreeing with or disagreeing with from that? Um, I'm agreeing with maybe 75% of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not to the extent that they're saying, but I can see where they're seeing all of that. Yeah, for sure. Especially when it comes to the meandering plot, as they say. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of confusion in this plot that I completely forgot about from seeing from the first time. The villain, who knows what's going on with him? <laughs> I'm, we'll get into that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I yeah, I think uh, I agree with most of the negatives, at least to some extent. Like kind of like you said, Keith. Yeah, there is something too. The whole Daniel Craig being bored. He does seem a little bit bored on screen. Very kind of just 
one note in a sense. And I think part of it's the writing, but it does come off a little bit in the performance. The villain's terrible. I think the third act is terrible. I think there's good stuff leading up to it. But yeah, it's just one of the weirdest third acts in any blockbuster I've seen in recent memory. I just genuinely don't know how it came together the way it did. Uh, something else I want to bring up is I saw I saw a lot of direct praise for Monica Bellucci mm. and then like people comparing her to Leia Sadu. And it's like, that's not even really a fair comparison. No. Like Monica's in the movie for five minutes and she doesn't raise her tone or change any emotion in her performance at all. And Leia Sadu has to carry like the entire second and third act of the movie. Yeah, I like Monica Bellucci yeah. a lot. I think she's a really good actress. Um, I think she's terrible in this. <laughs> I, I don't think he's <laughs> terrible. It's just, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's just not a fair comparison. It's just, she's barely in it. But the one thing we can talk about with, that is, I guess, admirable is, I think she was probably around 50 at the time, as is Daniel Craig. So it was like, it was cool to get some age-appropriate kind of uh, interaction in that way. They actually were sure to state we finally have a Bond woman oh, as opposed wow. to a Bond girl. Oh, cool. Because of her age. <laughs> <laughs> and then the writers are like, this is great. This is so progressive. And then her scene is basically just being like assaulted by James Bond. <laughs> it's like, cool. I still think the Skyfall one is the most egregious. And that I know you have a lot of issues with this one. I think you're right. One. After rewatching, I think that's worse. All right, Matt. Go ahead and break down our movie summary today. Let's do it. Spectre. And maybe, and hold on, I got to start how the movie starts. The dead are alive. Whoa, cool. And speaking of, M may be dead, but she is still sending Bond on missions. Why she waited until death for this, I don't know. Anyway, Bond goes to Mexico City to assassinate Marco Schiara and also blows up a building in the process. I think he killed at least 100 people. He takes Schiara's ring with an octopus on it that has seven legs. Wow. What a fucking <laughs> dumb thing. But at least we have Sam Smith wailing a generic Bond song for four minutes to keep us company after that. Voldemort is angry at Bond for killing people and blowing up buildings, as anybody would be, but he's also a bit of a grumpy Gus because C, aka Moriarty from Sherlock, is trying to close the double O program by basically monitoring the entire population at all times. Seems like these are completely separate issues, if you ask me. I'm not entirely sure how this <laughs> connects. Great choice, Sam Mendes. Bond goes to Rome and gets really creepy pee-pee with Sciarra's widow, gets some info from her, and observes the leader, Franz Oberhauser, give the order to assassinate Mr. White. Also, we learned they've retconned Quantum, which is now just a random subsidiary, I guess, of Spectre. Uh, Bond locates White, who is dying and agrees to protect his daughter, Dr. Madeline Swan. Swan goes with Bond, and they eventually get it on and end up at Oberhauser's base. This movie starts to take a fucking dive bomb in quality here, just to let you know. Let's see if I have this right. Oberhauser reveals he is funding C so he can operate Spectre without issues. His father adopted James, and I guess he got jealous of that, so his totally natural response was to kill him and fake his own death. He changed his name to Blofeld just so that the audience can go, oh, cool. And claims to be the author of all of Bond's pain since he caused the events of the previous movies, which is not true. We watched those movies and that's not true. Um, I guess he's lucky in that sense that Bond chose this profession in the first place so that he could even get his revenge that he claims he's been planning forever. Anyway, Bond and Swan escape and head back to London to stop C, which not climactic in any way. Long story short, they do. Bond shoots Blofeld's helicopter down with a pistol. <sighs> Blofeld wants Bond to kill him for some reason, but he refuses. 
even though he kills just without abandon everyone else, but he won't kill this guy. Throws he, and he throws his gun away, seemingly alluding to his retirement, and walks into the moonlight with Swan. And that is Spectre, my friend. All right, it is now time for our mid-season finale with our roundtable discussion on the Bond series. Who wants to kick us off today? I'll start us off. So this Bond film does the opposite of Skyfall, despite the similar team behind it, and is a sequel instead of a standalone, or at least more of a sequel than Skyfall was. I think it's pretty slow and boring, and this movie also weirdly recontextualizes every villain and side character in the previous movies in order to fit into Blofeld's plot and just kind of make him more cool. And that's something I just don't like in general. It's weird because we're talking about how long the movie is, but it's really not any longer, I guess, than Skyfall or Casino. So what do you guys think? Why was this one so much more of a slog? What do you think contributed to that primarily? I think I think it's kind of what you said there. It's just so boring. Retconning can work if you're if what you're doing on the screen is really interesting and like fun to watch. When you do retcom stuff, you're asking the audience to like suspend their disbelief for a second so that you can tell them a cool story. When it's so clear that you're taking all these movies and just shoehorning them into each one of these octopus legs, yeah, like it just gets ridiculous and not fun to watch. And when it's two and a half hours long and and you're realizing you have to sit through the rest of this and yeah, it just you feel every minute of it. The opening song with Sam Smith. That was a long ass opening. I don't, and I'm sure Skyfall's opening maybe it was just as long. I don't know. I think I like the song better, and I think I maybe like the animation better. This opening was so boring. Uh, I was just waiting for it to end, and then he just kept going in the writing on the wall, and then and then I'll be like, oh, okay, we're start, about to start the movie, and then in the right, and he'd go into it again. I'm like, geez, is it ever gonna end? It's like we get it. The writing's on the wall. Start the damn movie. You know what I did, Keith? We got a uh, we got forty five seconds into the song, and I uh, I picked up the remote and skipped it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, golly, we get it. Going into the the main plot, I hated Christoph Waltz's character. Um, he's like, it was me, James. It was all me this whole time. Lashif, Silva, Mister White. It was all me, James. It was so stupid. It's almost like they're trying to be like, all right, look, he's going to tell he's going to tell the audience the events of all the past movies. And then you'll know that he really did all this stuff. And it's like that, that just makes it worse because you're just we've already seen all that. We, t- show us something new for once in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because it's like clearly they did it to make him more menacing or cool in their eyes. And the thing that sucks is even though we had some problems to you know varying degrees with the past villains, it makes them so much less cool. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Lashif was kind of on his own. Like, yeah, at the beginning, he was this guy that funded terrorists, basically. But he was kind of rogue most of that movie. Mr. White ended up killing him. And it's like, okay, so he worked for Blofeld. Is that what you're saying? Great. He's the author of James's pain now. It doesn't, doesn't connect the way that, that he's saying it does. And how did, how is he responsible for M's death? I mean, Silva was a cyber terrorist that seemed like he had complete autonomy and then just does it himself. And he was a previous double O. So how, where does Blofeld come into that in the sense that he's responsible? Did he just say, hey, Silva, today's the day you should go kill M. He already wanted to. So it's just, I don't know. It makes everybody less cool in the process. Even Mr. White that had kind of this cool mystery is just totally lame. I don't know. It just kind of sucks. The worst part too about this is just, also the fact that quantum is a cooler organization than specter mm-hmm. like specter is literally trying to be this like 
legion of supervillains where they all meet together in Rome and plan out the world's pain. Quantum is just like trying to influence world events, but to benefit their own game. And like the way they're involved in all these different activities is a little bit more believable than Spectre is. It's just a weird retcon that I guess they did to appeal to old school Bond fans that are familiar with the Blofeld character and the organization Spectre. But I think Quantum actually did have some cool stuff in it in terms of what they were doing in their goal. Obviously, it's sinister. I'm not saying it's good, but it was interesting. And here it's just they change it for no reason. And it kind of just makes all of the villains and even someone like Vesper, a love interest, just so much less interesting. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the negative stuff that kind of contributes to just the movie feeling over bloated and weird and hollow. But I wanted to see what you guys kind of thought. Um, since this is more of a direct follow up to something like Skyfall, we see more of a team dynamic with the, you know, the double O team, if you will. We see, you know, the new M setting him on a mission. And we even, I guess, also see the old M setting him up on the mission. So I guess I'm just kind of curious. Did you guys think that there was anything positive leading up? Like Austin, I know you mentioned that you were kind of on board for at least a portion of the movie. I mean, what were some of the things that you guys actually liked and were hoping they would spend more time on? Like, like I said, I, I think this this movie does have a lot of great individual scenes. I like the M and Bond relationship, especially with this being the new M. I like that Monty Penny is in this one and helping him out kind of behind M's back. Like, all the action looks good. It's fun to watch. The car chase is great with him and Mr. Hinks. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the connecting thread. The way they try to weed the plot through all these scenes doesn't work for me at all. Um, I actually like the character of C. I thought they could have done something more with him. Yeah. Uh, maybe him and um, Onhauser or Blofeld could have been more intertwined, but they never, you never really get to see them two together nope. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think they could have done something way bigger with the whole Spectre uh, motivation, but instead it just focused again yeah. on something from James's past with him, his dad, Onhauser's dad being James's stepdad or whatever. It's like, who cares? This is where I also agree with the critics too, because this movie had potential. Like, there's a lot, of, like we said, there's a lot of cool, like interesting scenes, but they always try to retread the past in this movie. They don't try to, they don't take any risks. They don't show us anything new. And I think you can also tell that this one is heavily influenced by the success of franchises like the Avengers and the Dark Knight trilogy at the time. Like, you can tell that the studio really wanted to have there to be a James Bond universe where everything's connected, everything's going to follow over from the previous films, and uh they didn't have that plan in place from the beginning, so they had to try to do it all in this movie, and it didn't work at all. Like, really, the only, and even wasn't that good, the only, the best connection this one had to the previous ones was Mr. White. I mean, he's pretty much the only one that was actually believable as a connection. Yeah, and they toss out the names like Vesper Lind and yeah. Quantum. They just keep they yeah. just keep saying them over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Mr. White could have been used in a really cool way. I mean, and again, it's like a retcon that I don't get. I mean, it's like, he was so kind of mysterious and we never really knew his role and i guess it's like maybe he is the leader of quantum in quantum assaults maybe that's what they're playing at so it's like why can't he just be the main villain or if you're gonna retcon it then have him be the lead of specter or just something i don't know it's just in a weird way they tried to i guess all their connections were done in the wrong way i agree that there's too many of them and we don't need to focus on that bond doesn't have to be that kind of franchise but if you are going to do it do it in some cool and meaningful ways instead they just have a new character in charge of a new organization that just references past events like he's responsible but he's not so it's like all the connections are bad when they could have had cool stuff like mr white like keith said easily the best connection maybe lean more into that instead he just dies after one scene and then his daughter becomes kind of the MacGuffin of the movie in a weird way so yeah i just it's so weird how they went about it yeah, so let's dig into 
Leah Sadu's performance as Swan. I actually, I enjoyed her performance and I liked her character for the most part. There was just some things that was kind of annoying to me. So she was constantly like contradicting herself and flip-flopping her ideas and everything she just kind of said in general. So I really enjoyed the clinic scene whenever they first meet and all that. And he, and she finds out who he is and he finds out who she is and, and they go from there. And uh, I did like that. The scenes I didn't really like were, were them at the, I guess, I guess the hotel in uh, Morocco. L'American. Yeah, L'American. And she was kind of saying, I can take care of myself. I can take care of myself. And as soon as he tries to leave her, she's like, oh, I'm going with you. And so it, it just her ideas weren't making sense with everything she was saying. The flip-flopping actually kind of works for me, uh, just because even though her, her and her father didn't have the best relationship, she is still kind of grieving and trying to process that information. And then I like that she flip-flops when they find kind of the hidden room, because you can tell that mm. she is now becoming more interested um, in the mystery and is kind of getting bought in. And then her and Bond continue to develop their relationship. They learn they can trust each other on the train. So the flip-flop thing works for me just because I can see it as I'm, I'm getting really interested and I want to find out what happens. And then now I'm also starting to fall for Bond and uh, starting to realize I can trust him as well. And then also the fact that my dad was a supervillain. So I have, like, I'm not a liability on this mission. I I know how to use a gun. I know how to fight. So, like, she can also be helpful too. Yeah, I can see it both ways. I think it is a bit jarring at times when it's like all of a sudden she's so bought in and it culminates in a scene I know we're going to talk about once they get to the base. It's just like their relationship starts in kind of a cool place and it does slowly develop to kind of, in kind of an interesting way. And then it just out of nowhere is just so unbelievable. It's like, ah, and I think that's part of the third act. We'll talk about it, but it accelerates way yeah. too fast. And so, yeah, I think there's so much good to the character, but I also do agree with Keith that there's too much contradicting that is a bit unbelievable and it's just so accelerated and I don't know. Yeah. I do again, I like the performance and I like a lot about the character. I like what Austin said about her not being a liability and being able to contribute in some cool ways. But ultimately it just yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't fully come together like a lot of the movie. If you guys had to compare Madeline Swan to Camille and Vesper, how would you like where would you put her among those three? Oh, that's tough. I like them all three for different reasons. Yeah, for me, it would be Camille, Madeline Swan, and Vesper. Ooh, Vesper's at the bottom. I think the other two just have way more interesting stories. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. I really love Ava Green's performance, but again, kind of similarly. And I don't mind the character choice to have uh, her betray him, especially when, once they give us the reasoning. It's just, even though Quantum gave us an epilogue, we never really got to see more of her side and how it started. So it just feels like there's a bit missing with that character. And then Camille, I really liked how she's kind of like the equivalent to James Bond. It's just she's never had to do a personal kill before and how that kind of factored into him accompanying her. So she was really good. I actually don't know if I could rank these. I think they're they're pretty equal. I, and I really love Leia Sidhu's performance. I think she does a great job with the source material she's given. It's just, you know. I think there's mistakes. None of the characters are perfect. It's just, you know, they each have big flaws. Maybe this one has the most, but I like them all pretty equally. But actually, you know what? No, number one is Strawberry Fields. Big fan. I'd throw Felix Leiter in there, too. I like their chemistry, their little bromance. We need more of it. So he, he's in the <laughs> list as well. <laughs> Okay, uh, so this is now the third movie in a row where MI6 and spies are considered outdated, even though in the last movie Bond literally saves all of Parliament from Silva, 
Are you guys tired of this plot point? And what do you guys also think of C as our secondary villain? I like C as a secondary villain. I Like I said earlier, I think they could have made him a bigger villain in this one. There was a lot of things going on in the background with him, you know, actually implementing what Spectre was trying to do as far as taking over their, taking over the uh, securities uh, organizations of the world and all that. It just seemed like a little bit more believable of a plot rather than Blofeld's plot was just to get back at his little brother. So, um, yeah, I think they, they should have played him up more. Yeah, it's uh, I, I like Andrew Scott a lot. Um, I think he gives a fine performance. It's just weird that the secondary villain and the primary one we know are working together, but we don't ever see them interact in any type of interesting way. And it's also weird because... <sighs> He's doing this for whatever reasons, and Spectre's doing it so that they can kind of, if they're in on it, they can basically conceal their operation from this thing. So it's like, we'll continue to operate. But it's funny because there is actually no motivation. It's just their motivation is to keep operating. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's their ultimate goal. And then it makes you go, okay, I guess, as the movie starts, it's like, okay, I guess I can understand what C is saying to some degree. But then the reveal is he's just helping Spectre. So it's like now he doesn't really have much of a motivation. And then I kind of joked about it in the plots uh, summary, but it's also like these just seem like different issues to me. He's, ta he's talking about how double O, the double O program's outdated and I'm here to basically create minority report. And it's like, how are these related? I mean, don't you still need agents for stuff just because you're monitoring people? You still need agents for things, right? That doesn't they're not related. So feels like his conflict would be more with Q. Feels like he might be putting Q out of a job. Yeah, that's James a good point. Bond. That's a good point. And whenever Mallory's kind of arguing it, it's like, yeah, I agree with him. And these issues aren't related. So it was just so it was just goofy that yeah. the way they kind of paired these villains together at the same time not really pairing them together. So it was kind of weird. I don't know. I just think it's so weird that that parliamentary commission would have like from from Skyfall would have signed off on like, yeah, we're going to shut down the 007 good, branch I even think about that. after they were literally just saved from 007 in the last movie. Like, that didn't really make any sense to me. And I also just thought the whole plot with C was so predictable. Like, the, from the opening scene, it's like, oh, this guy's a villain. There was no twist with that at all for me. I like, I do like Bond giving him the name C, though. I thought that was funny. <laughs> just like, I'm just going to call you C. Uh, and it culminates in the worst way possible. Uh, whenever he's like, I guess M stands for moron. And then Ray Fiennes is just like, and C, careless. It's like, well, cool. Wow. <laughs> very, very yeah. fun writing there. I thought he was going to say cunt. I thought he was <laughs> I thought too. So too. I, that's what it seemed like it was going to be. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah. As I've kind of already alluded to, I was uh, pretty on board with this movie until the third act. I don't know what it is, though, but the third act really does take just a straight dive bomb into the dumpster. Um, I think this movie does have great individual scenes. I like the helicopter fight. I like all of the Bond and Q scenes. They're really fun. Mr. White and Bond's conversation is great. Madeline Swan, like I said, I really like, and I like her and Bond's relationship until the I love you scene, which we'll have to talk about. Um, even Dave Bautista is a, is a pretty fun villain, and the train fight's pretty great as well. It's just, man, this third act with the weird Joker-Batman showdown, that's where it takes a turn for me. So I know we all are kind of on the same page here. Talk to me about what you guys think about this immediate turn, and what is it about this third act that's so jarring? Yeah, I think there's a lot wrong here. I think the last 30-ish, maybe 35 minutes of the movie is really where it goes from just kind of a harmless, bland movie to 
making the second they get to Blowfield's base. Exactly. That's exactly. The second they get to that base is when it takes a turn. Yeah, I think a big part of that is that's where we get the classic villain reveal. Here's why I'm doing this, and we've already kind of talked at nauseum about why. But again, it's just oh, so you're not this guy doing interesting things with this organization. You're not an interesting villain. You're just a guy trying to get personal revenge. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that can be interesting. What are you getting revenge for? And he's getting revenge on Bond for being adopted by his dad. It's like, what? He didn't do anything. And for all intents and purposes, your dad loved you too. It's just, I guess when that attention had to be shared, your decision was to fake your death and kill him. So why are you getting revenge on Bond? He didn't kill your dad. So I just don't get what he's even trying to get revenge for. And then, of course, once again, they do the whole thing. Like, guess what? Remember Lashif? Remember Vesper? Remember M? It was all me, James. It's like, we've, I'm not going to continue. It's just we've already talked about we watched those movies and that's not true. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, and so that contributes. And then, like Austin said, the I love you scene and the torture scene, which is supposed to mess up his brain, but then it doesn't at all. It's like, oh, uh, well, that was weird. And then it's like, okay, is this the end of the movie? I guess this is this was weird, but if it ends here, maybe that'll make me feel better. And then there's still like 25 minutes left when they go back to London. And they, it's like the creepy Joker Hall of Mirrors in the old MI6 building. And guess what? Swan has been captured again. Can you save her, James? It's like, I'll try. Building blows up, shoots his helicopter down with a pistol. And then he's like... And then, of course, all the while, C is now like the main villain of the movie and he accidentally kills himself by falling off a balcony. He's like, OK. And then, <laughs> then after all this, he's like, kill me, James, kill me. And he's like, no. And then it's supposed to be this grand finale. Like, wow. It's just every decision here was terrible. <laughs> so it just ruins the movie, I feel like. I don't know. Just a garbage third act. He also hid Madeline Swan behind the one intact door in the building. <laughs> so, like, she's not that hard to find. Yeah. His base blows up way too easily. One little one little bullet to a, a gas line, and that's it. Mm-hmm. One bullet to the helicopter. Yeah, you're right. That explosion is just so jarring. Like, it literally feels like that's where they had planned for the credits to roll. Mm-hmm. They turned it into the studio, and they're like, "Nope, need more connections." So they had to go back and film more scenes. Like, after the base blows up, it it feels like they just tacked on an additional thirty minutes for no reason. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. I think they did it just so they could show Blofeld with his iconic look, honestly. I think they were like, we got to get his cool yeah. look in there. How are we going to do it? Here's how we'll do it. It's like, cool. Like, It's one of those things where it's it's kind of like in a, Into Darkness whenever they reveal Benedict Cumberbatch's con. And it's you, the audience, are supposed to go, oh, I've heard that name. But in the world of the movie, it doesn't mean anything to these characters. Like, Kirk goes... I don't know who that is. Oh, is that supposed to be cool? And Bond here is like, he, it's not even say, he doesn't even say, I changed my name to Blofeld. He's just the full name. And we're supposed to be like, whoa. And Bond is like, he has no reaction because in the world, that doesn't mean anything. So it's just so weird that they even like made that extra step. It also literally means that the only reason Quantum and Spectre exist is because of James Bond. That's what they're which suggesting. Which is just way too much of a connection yeah. to make. And I already, yeah, I already made the joke. It's like, well, thank God he got into this profession because if he hadn't, then you couldn't have gotten your revenge on him. <laughs> so again, it's just a whole extra step. The Mr. White connection still doesn't make quite sense but it makes a little bit more sense than the whole silva thing there's no way he was behind silva i mean that's pretty obvious silva silva was on his own i know there's no way he was affiliated with any of that shit mm-hmm. it explains it in skyfall 
<laughs> he was trying to, he was out there just to kill him. Yeah. Why are none of the other villains in the previous movies wearing this ring? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the writing on Quantum was better than this one. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about the fact that Dave Bautista has one word? I don't even think that was him. I think that I think that was someone else that they ADR. That did not sound like Dave Bautista. <laughs> like I genuinely think the one line he has in this movie was not even him talking. Uh, wow. What a what a <laughs> he, weird It's role. literally one word. He only says shit. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only thing he says. And he falls out of a train. I liked him. I like I like that kind of character. I, I like the I like the car chase scene through Rome. I thought that was pretty badass looking mm-hmm. with him. Uh the the scene where he pretty much does tryouts and he kills he gouges the guy's eyes out. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's a goofy dumb silly character but certainly far from i would even say a problem with this movie i wouldn't consider it i mean this is one of kind of the throwbacks that they do in all these new all these movies now to old bond that i think is kind of cool you know having kind of the mostly silent huge menacing uh tertiary even character like a henchman basically uh like jaws or odd job something like that from the other movies uh and i do like swan's involvement with some of these action scenes and i like that she really has, wants to have nothing to do with this guy. And I actually genuinely thought it was kind of believable that they get into this extremely high adrenaline situation and then they both just kind of slump over and it's like, what do we do now? And then it just immediately cuts to a sex scene. I thought I was like, that's kind of seems kind of believable in that kind of high adrenaline situation. They're just kind of operating on yeah. instincts and having fun. So I thought that actually kind of worked in terms of the grand scheme of things. This feels like the most natural relationship in this one. Yeah. Well, I think even more natural than Vesper. Yeah, I think so. The problem with Vesper is it's not natural. Most of it's fake. And you don't even really know by the end if yeah. it is genuine. It's kind of a weird thing. But again, Ava Green was great. But yeah, this one is relatively natural. Until it is not, Austin. Let We got to talk about this, guys. We got to talk <laughs> about that she is in love with him. Huh? What? Out of nowhere, dude. Out of nowhere. <laughs> crazy i literally have it in my notes she loves him question mark (laughs) like oh my god this is so forced uh and this comes right after he has two drills going into his head (laughs) and oberhauser blofeld is such a bad villain he can't even get this right he's like he'll never remember you he, I'm I'm destroying his brain. He won't remember anything. <laughs> he won't even recognize you when I'm done. And then he's just, the drill comes out. He's immediately like uh, unconscious, I guess. She walks up a second later and goes, I love you. And he's like, I'd recognize that face anywhere. Oh my God. It's just. So forced, dude. So, so forced. If they, didn't, if they didn't have that scene, the relationship would be better. Yeah, if it had just ended without that. I did like the watch part of that scene. Kind of a shame after how ridiculous the movie is, we didn't get actually any more fun gadgets. I mean, Skyfall, we got a radio and a, and a gun with a fingerprint. I was hoping maybe for something more exciting. And then it's just an exploding watch. So, oh well. What did we think of Christoph Waltz's actual performance as Blofeld in this movie? It was it was okay. For I, I like, I'm a big Christoph Waltz fan. I'll say yeah. I like the scenes... When they're at the meeting table, I did like that. Those are the I, best scenes. Yeah, I think that's probably the best performance he gives. Whenever he's kind of in the dark and you can't see his face, and he just talks and whispering to the other guys that come up to him, I really like that. But when it gets more to the, it was all me, James, all of it. That's when it it loses it for me. Yeah, I think like I mentioned at the top, I don't really think it's a problem with the performance. I just the way they, I mean, wrote this character and the way the character is used in the movie, like how like how frequently. 
I don't think anybody could have done this and had it be satisfying, at least. I mean, he's at that great scene at the table where we don't even know who he is or what he's doing. So you have the element of mystery and the creepiness. We don't see him for another hour and like 30 minutes. Like legitimately, I checked the time. His next scene is an hour and 40 minutes into a two hour and 20 minute movie. And then it's just immediately he's just explaining his revenge plot. Like, this is what I'm doing and why. You're my brother. I hate you, even though I'm the one that killed our dad. Um, so it's just it goes from such a zero to 100 perspective. It's just he's really cool, and mysterious. And then I'm getting revenge on you. And then after that, he's really only in like the helicopter scene. He has that weird scene in the MI6 building when he's behind the glass. He's so Christoph Waltz is basically in three scenes in this movie. And that's it. And it's like not satisfying at all. So it's like it's not really a problem with the performance, but it's just wow, just shocking that they thought that they could get away with this using the villain this way. It's just, I don't know how this got past the writing stage. Yeah, I think Gary Oldman dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> yeah. He did. He did, Keith. That's a good call out. Um, so a lot of these characters, though, are going to be returning in No Time to Die. Madeline Swan will be back. Blofeld will be back. Obviously, the whole Bond team will be back. So what are you guys looking for in this one? Are you guys excited uh, after we've kind of done our series in review? Um, yeah, short answer is yes. It's almost like it's a pattern. Casino's great. Quantum, I know I really liked it, but I know a lot of people don't. Skyfall, great. This one, bad. We're hoping for something good. How can it be good, Keith? I'm looking forward to Felix being back in it. Yeah, I'm really looking true. forward to that. I mm-hmm. think that's going to bring a big uh, part of the story to it. Maybe maybe there'll be some United States, more more United States locations in this one. I'd, I'd be down to see Bond in America. Maybe interacting with the CIA, maybe? That'd be, that could be kind of cool. I'm I'm really excited for this one. The trailers have me so stoked. Um, is Madeline Swan the first Bond girl to make it into two movies? Like actually have like a big part in two movies? I think she might be the first. I could be wrong there. Maybe maybe have a have a big part. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever happened. I can't remember. So I, I'm excited to see what they're doing with her character. Blofeld implies that she has a big secret. So I really want to know what that is. Um, I'm really, really excited for Rami Malek. He's one of my favorite actors working today, so I can't wait to see him as a Bond villain. I think that's going to be sweet. All the action scenes that they've shown in the trailer look so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some crazy set pieces where they have like snowmobiles pulling guys on motorcycles, and it looks sweet. I'm, I'm really pumped for this one. Yeah, me too. Um, we, I think one of our big complaints about this one is it just didn't really do anything new. And from what I've seen from No Time to Die... Besides Billie Eilish's song, which sounds like they just gave her the note to write another part of basically Skyfall. Um, It does seem to be a lot of new stuff going on. We have a retired Bond that seems to actually be enjoying retirement, has been retired for a while. I don't know if he and Madeline are married, but they've clearly been together this entire time. So that will be kind of a cool thing. And it's one of those things we have complaints about the relationship in here. But if we get kind of a cool time jump, they could actually sell us a bit more on their actual chemistry and relationship, whatever it may be. Again, Blofeld, probably not the main villain here. It seems like just kind of a secondary role. Could be more cool than the primary role, so I like that. Agree with Austin. There's some action in these trailers, which is just really damn good looking. And yeah, I'm just excited to see what they do. I like the idea of him, I think, by Felix having to bring him back in somehow. And his. I think Lashana Lynch is 007. I think she's the new 007. And so, but he has to work with basically his, somebody, he has to work with like a younger version of him that was like Casino Royale. He has to work with someone yeah. that is in their prime and he's really not. So it could be cool. 
And whereas Skyfall is all about M's past and uh, Spectre is, you know, supposed to be James's past, it seems like what they're setting up is this next one will be somehow about Madeline Swan's past. And because he's with her, he kind of gets dragged into it. So it could be a really cool dynamic. And I also love Remy Malik. I think I hope I hope they nail it because the villains are obviously we have some great performances, but they're pretty hit or miss in terms of motivation and plot and how they're used. So I just hope they really knock it out of the park. I do trust Kerry Fukunaga, the guy that brought us season one of True Detective, as the one making this. So I'm just hopeful. I'm I'm excited for it. Obviously, I'm nervous because this is the last one. So you have to imagine some of the plot might actually be trying to give us like a really solid conclusion. I don't know. Maybe the death of Bond. Who's to say? But I'm excited, but a little, little bit cautiously optimistic as well. We also have Anna de Armas joining the cast from Knives Out yes. and um, Blade Runner as well. So I'm excited to see what she can do. From the trailers, it looks like she's not just the typical Bond girl. She's got some guns and some shootouts going on too. So that'll nice. be fun to see as well. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it for sure. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but mostly hopeful. I just hope they knock it out of the park. I want one more like great, not just good. I want a, one more great Daniel Craig as James Bond movie. So let's hope we get it. Okay. Well, before we get into our podcast awards today, let's rank the entirety of Daniel Craig as James Bond, as we've seen today. Matt, I think I want you to start us off today. All right. I guess it might be a bit of a predictable ranking. Maybe not. And I want to put one of these way higher, but I just can't justify it. All right, here we go. My ranking is number one, Skyfall. I think there's an argument that the number two for me, Casino Royale, maybe some days I like it better. I like the origin aspect. I think they really nailed that. But I think today, for right now, it's going to be number one is Skyfall. Number two is Casino Royale. Number three, I really liked it on a rewatch. I want to put it higher. Just like I said, I can't justify it. Quantum of Solace slash Solace. I still don't know. Quantum of Solace sounds good to me. I'll say that. And number four, a movie that has a lot of good in it and then just botches it in its third act and on a rewatch because I knew it was coming. It made the first and second act worse. It's Spectre. It's my. It's the worst for me so far. All right. I'm going to have to uh, just echo what Matt did. I'm going to have to do Skyfall, Casino, Quantum, and Spectre. I, I think that's the only natural way to go. Um, Casino, I think, could be number one, but that third act really does kind of just true. feel forced in there, whereas Skyfall, I think, is just great from, from beginning to end, so minus the shower scene, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, you know, Quantum used to be my least favorite of these two, or uh, of these four, I mean. Um, I don't know if I want to put it above Spectre, though. I I think I might have to tie Spectre and Quantum. I don't know yet. I'm undecided in those two, so I'll have to go Skyfall. Casino and then Spectre and Quantum are tied okay. for third and fourth. We pretty much all have the same list, so we'll have to see how it changes when No Time to Die comes out. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into our Arnie's Podcast Awards. If you're new this week, this is a segment where we give an award for anything in this episode. Keith, go ahead and start us off today. Yeah, I was having kind of a tough time thinking of one for this, but one that kind of came up on my up the top of my head uh, would be the best bootlegger award goes to mr james bond he's good at founding alcohol wherever he goes mm. he goes to l'american breaks a wall and finds a handle of <laughs> whatever that was rum or vodka or something yeah. and starts squigging it so best yeah, why bootlegger was that award. buried in a wall yeah i don't why know i'm guessing mr white <laughs> left it there i don't know who knows <laughs> i am gonna give the darth vader award to c he has a fall for a death that I haven't seen since Return of the Jedi, 
and it is garbage just like the return of the dead i fall is garbage it's wow. hilarious he's like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and m doesn't grab him he just like watches him like stumble and fall uh that's pretty funny um i'm gonna give my award to someone that doesn't get enough love for his impressions and by god i didn't think it would happen but Somehow, in this moment, they nailed it. I'm giving the award for the best Sam Smith impression to Keith Baker for him imitating sea falling. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> it sounds exactly like that beautiful wow. whale in the intro, and we have to recognize him for it. Sam, if you're out there, give Keith your Oscar. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, that really is the best way to help us continue to grow the show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for our first return to the brackets of 2021. We will be deciding the best romantic comedy ever made. Nice. I'm excited. That's going to be a fun one. It's been a while since our bracket, so I'm excited to get back into that style of episode. And it'll be fun to rewatch some stuff, so that's going to be great. Um, also, just got to remind everybody, like we mentioned at the top, WandaVision is still on, which means we are still reviewing and reacting to each and every episode. So check those out. Only a few episodes left, and then we're going to be in Falcon and Winter Soldier territory. Um, Austin did a great job editing our two-part Dungeons & Dragons episode. It was basically the first little part to our campaign. It was the first time we had ever played. It's released as two parts, so go back and check those out. Those are just a blast. So fun. And yeah, really, other than the bracket, all we have to mention for right now is, I hope it's in October, but at some point, we will be returning to our little Bond series here to add No Time to Die into our rankings, break it down, and man, looking back on this episode, whenever it does come out, I just hope we were right. I just hope it's a good one. I have a good feeling, but I hope so. So we will return to Bond eventually. I'm going to be so bold as to predict I'm going to be able to put it at number one in the rankings. Whoa. That's how excited I am for this one. That's bold, Austin. Very bold. Damn. I'm sure I'll be let down because marketing agencies do a great job editing trailers, but I'm excited. Well, maybe maybe there's something that they're pushing this thing back. Maybe they know that it's going to be a... You know, it's going to be a knockout. Who knows? Yeah, I feel I feel like you have to really believe in your movie to push it back two years just so people can see it in theaters. But who knows? Who knows? But yeah, uh, remember to go check us out on Instagram at The Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Let us know how your rewatch of Spectre went. Uh, also, remember to go back, rewatch Casino, rewatch Quantum, Skyfall, uh, go listen to our reviews on those as well and please give us your theories on what's to come next on WandaVision and remember D&D Dungeons and Dragons go listen to them give us your character let us know how you think we did on our journey nice alright everybody that's gonna do it for us today we will talk to you guys next week I'm the author of all your pain James <laughs>